It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. In three, two, one. Seven things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Jamie Easton. This, this is the Sunday Sun. In today's episode, we learn about the importance of hydration for heart health, China's new video game ban, plus we also talk to a scientist about how the pandemic may have contributed to lower IQs in kids. But first, on this day in 1977, NASA launched Voyager 1 from Cape Canaveral, Florida, aboard a Titan Centaur rocket. Voyager 1 and its sister ship Voyager 2 have been flying longer than any other spacecraft in history, and 44 years later, NASA are still reaching for the stars. Water, ah, the essence of life. Nothing can survive very long without it, but very few of us are drinking enough of it. Even I could do better in the water drinking department and I'm not alone. Recommendations on daily fluid intake vary from 1.6 to 2.1 litres for women and 2 to 3 litres for men. However, worldwide surveys have shown that many people don't meet even the lower ends of these ranges. That could be bad news. A recent study from the National Heart, Lung and Blood Institute has shown that not drinking enough water could lead to heart failure down the line. It's a pretty shocking headline, so we spoke to the study's author to understand what this means for the average dehydrated person. This is Natalia. Natalia, tell us how this study came about. The idea to analyse how hydration affects heart came from mouse studies. We limited the amount of water mice could drink during their entire life and we noticed that changes in their hearts were similar to changes that occur in heart failure. We then thought that the same could happen with the hearts of people. To identify people not sufficiently hydrated, Natalia used data from lab tests for serum sodium. This is a precise measure of hydration status. When people drink less fluid, the concentration of serum sodium increases. With this in mind, we divided study participants into groups based on their sodium levels measured at middle age. And we found that in higher sodium groups, much larger proportion of people develop heart failure later in life. So why does hydration have such a big impact on heart health? Low water intake stimulates secretion of hormones that act on kidney, leading to the excretion of lower volume of more concentrated urine. These hormones also affect heart, undermining its proper function. This result suggests that maintaining good hydration can prevent or at least slow down the changes within the heart that lead to heart failure. Okay, how do we make sure we're hydrated enough? The best way to stay hydrated is to pay attention to the amount of fluids we consume every day and take action. Any liquid count, water, tea, coffee and any beverage. Now that the evidence is all there, how do you hope people are going to receive this study? I hope that the results of our study will provide additional reason for people to make sure they stay hydrated on a regular basis. Drinking a recommended amount of liquids every day is something very simple that everybody can easily do, and potential benefits are huge. 
I'm the founder and CEO of this company. Anything that happens in this company is my responsibility at the end of the day, and I hold myself responsible for, for that. That was Elizabeth Holmes in 2016, well before her world and company Theranos collapsed. It was a $9 billion business that promised to revolutionize healthcare. The goal is to empower the individual. We believe strongly that the future of healthcare is in enabling the individual to have the information that they need to take ownership of their health. Theranos claimed to have devised blood tests that only required a pinprick amount of blood, making testing cheap, quick and accessible. And at 19, she was the youngest female self-made billionaire in the world and had support from the likes of Joe Biden and Rupert Murdoch was one of their biggest investors. Theranos sounds like a breakthrough in healthcare, but like most things in life, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Despite the lofty goals, the claims later turned out to be false, and now the former Silicon Valley darling will face the consequences in her trial that began on Tuesday. She's facing a total of 12, two counts of conspiracy to commit wire fraud and 10 counts of wire fraud for allegedly engaging in a multi-million dollar fraud scheme. The journalist responsible for exposing what really went on in Theranos is John Carreyrou. He spoke to CNBC in July about his thoughts and predictions for the trial. She is someone who has an incredibly high tolerance for risk. Even 99 out of 100 people in her shoes uh, would have copped a plea. But she is willing to uh, roll the dice and take it all the way to court. And I think it's a reflection also of the way she behaved in growing this company and doing what she did, which was selling investors on something that didn't work yet. And she decided she was going to wing it. And she's now deciding uh, that she's going to wing it at trial. We've still got a while before the verdict, but John already has his predictions about what's going to happen. The Theranos lab database went missing. And so the government is going to have to rely on anecdotal, you know, patient testimony. That's an important part of the case. Uh, If I had to bet right now, if I had to wager on an outcome, I, I still think she's going to get convicted. It's definitely one to keep an eye out for, but for the time being, who Thera knows what will happen. Sorry. Still to come on the Sunday 7, an unprecedented shark sighting on the Irish coast, and China bans kids from playing video games? If you've been on Ireland's west coast recently, you may have spotted something in the water. Perhaps you've seen a snout break the tide or a telltale dorsal fin. That's right, we're talking about sharks. This past week, researchers have recorded hundreds of basking sharks off the coast of County Clare. While basking shark sightings aren't uncommon for these parts, to be able to see the courting rituals in these sort of numbers is undeniably something pretty special. This is especially true for researchers like Simon Barrow, who we spoke to to find out a bit more. So Dr. Simon Barrow, um, I wear many hats. I'm Chief Executive Officer of the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group. I'm also um, a lecturer at the Galway Mayo Institute of Technology, teaching on the um, Applied Freshwater Marine degree and more recently on master's programmes. There are hundreds of sharks currently off the West Coast. Have you ever seen so many congregating in Irish waters like that? So last year was our first time that we'd actually, I suppose, witnessed it ourselves and filmed it. Um, and we didn't know if it was a, a one-off activity, it was a regular occurrence. So to go and find them this year again in their hundreds, I suppose it reassures us that um, this isn't a one-off, this is happening now and probably happening over a much wider area than we are uh, exploring. 
Now, I've seen the videos of the shark swimming in majestic circular patterns, but for our listeners, could you describe what one might see if they were to head out into the water? When they're feeding, they're often in straight lines. But when they're doing this courting behaviour, they're going around in circles. So you see these black tips popping up in a very tight circle. You can see maybe one or two sharks on the surface. When you look underneath the surface, there's more sharks and more sharks and more sharks. I am going to turn it into a screensaver. I think if you're feeling stressed at work, you just put on your courting basking shark screensaver and you'll be mellow and smiling within a few minutes. Uh, You can't take your eyes off it. So why are we seeing them in such high numbers now? Is this typical behaviour? These sharks are highly migratory. So why have they chosen the western seaboard of Ireland? We, we really haven't got a clue. And maybe this is changing because I don't think 10 years ago this happened. And maybe 10 years' time, they'll move further north because our oceans are changing in response to climate change. So, you know, we don't know what they select to, to um, carry out this courtship behaviour. But it's likely to be changing year on year. If this phenomenon moves somewhere else, up the west coast of Scotland, for example, then at least with some experience to pass on to them. Are the sightings going to have an impact on the Irish government and citizens? So I think in the short term, uh, we want to raise awareness and celebrate um, the fantastic marine wildlife that we're privileged to have. We want to enact legislation so that we can protect them. And we want to make sure that those who are developing our, our coastal zone from offshore renewables to um, potential marine protected areas um, have the, the information to consider the presence of sharks and the negative influences that we might have. every teenager's nightmare. Starting this week in China, anyone under the age of 18 will be barred from playing video games. Now, it's not a complete ban, but minors will only be allowed a single hour of playtime on Friday, weekends and public holidays, according to a statement from the Chinese media watchdog. In 2019, video gameplay had already been restricted to 90 minutes on weekdays and three hours on weekends for children, but these new measures go much further. Authorities said that the restrictions were put in place to help prevent young people becoming addicted to the games, and terms like spiritual opium and electrical drug have been used to describe their potentially harmful effects. But are video games really that bad, and is this the right way to tackle the issue? So I think that there is an addictive component for sure, which we'll get to in a second. But I think essentially what's happening is that there's a great deal of unrest with young people. Right. So people are concerned about climate change. They're concerned about wealth inequality. They're concerned about all this kind of stuff, which are very valid concerns. And so people are taking a step back and saying, you know what? I'm just not going to play this game. And what they turn to is video games instead. That's a lot Kenogia, also known as Dr. K. He's a Boston based addiction psychiatrist who has a personal history with the negative side of gaming. I grew up playing video games, played a lot of video games when I was in middle school and high school and almost failed out of college for playing too many video games. And now Dr. K runs Healthy Gamer, a mental health platform that supports the internet generation through coaching, content and community. As an addiction psychiatrist, Dr. K recognises the problems of excessive gaming, but according to him, Chinese authorities are going after the wrong enemy. You know, parents will come in and they'll say like, how do I get my kid to stop playing video games? Because like the video game is the problem. Like, how do I get them to stop? 
And hopefully the ones that work with us begin to realize like the video game is a symptom. It's not the root cause. If you really want to get your kid to stop playing video games and you want to fight them constantly for it, what you need to do is like get them on the same page and help them understand how video games are a problem and address the underlying issues. Sometimes it means getting your kid into therapy. Sometimes it means helping your kids succeed in ways that like they're struggling with, right? And so then like the, the parent encourages them and it involves dealing with the underlying drivers of behavior instead of restriction. And when we do that, it works out really, really well. So I think what's happening is this this measure is somewhat reactionary. I think we're going to see a lot of people bypassing it because that's what gamers are going to do. They're going to find a way to play games if they really want to. And at the same time, I think it's also like in response to a growing dissatisfaction that young people have. And they're sort of blaming the video game for it. Still to come on the Sunday 7, the Afghan girls' robotics team arrives safely in Qatar, and we hear from a researcher on the worrying IQs of pandemic babies. Right after this. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You're listening to the Sunday 7. Follow us for your weekday news espresso or even try our island edition. It's in all the usual places. After weeks of tension and conflict, there's some good news from Afghanistan. After scrambling for days to bring them to safety, members of the internationally renowned Afghan girls robotics team have arrived safely in Qatar and Mexico. Known as the Afghan Dreamers, their innovation and ingenuity has seen them compete in robotics competitions around the globe. And last year, they made headlines for engineering ventilators out of car parts during the height of the pandemic. Our favorite part is about solving the communities and our community problem. And I'm so interested uh, to, in the future to serve my people and help my people. My dream is uh, to continue the programming part of the robots and uh, especially become a uh, software engineer. Just at first, uh, I want to um, just continue my education and pass the university. And uh, after that, I want to work in a company like Apple or Microsoft. And then I, I really love to build my company and be the boss of that company. That's Ida Haderpour, a programmer on the team. Along with eight of her teammates, she left Kabul days before it was taken by the Taliban. During the Taliban's previous rule of Afghanistan from 96 to 2001, girls weren't allowed to get a normal school education and women weren't allowed to work. With the Taliban back in power, there are fears this could happen again and the legacy of the Afghan dreamers could become a nightmare. Speaking to Al Jazeera, team leader Roy Marboub says that whilst they may not be able to evacuate every girl that wants an education, she is hopeful and open to engaging with the Taliban for both sides to build some trust. We have to make sure that our younger generation have access to the tools and guidance to making a better Afghanistan, to become the next scientist, entrepreneur and technologist. This is what we needed for Afghanistan and this is what our wish for the Afghanistan.
Six months ago, NASA's Perseverance rover made the notoriously precarious descent and landed safely on the surface of Mars. Today, the most sophisticated six-wheeled robot ever launched into space is searching the red planet for signs of ancient life. This week, the rover made headlines for its second attachment at retrieving a rock sample after the first one crumbled to dust. But that's not all the rover's getting up to. Thanks to the MEDA instrument on board Perseverance, NASA scientists are also learning more about Martian meteorology with daily weather reports. So, not sure the title would have got David Bowie a hit, but is there weather on Mars? Over to Jose Antonio Rodriguez Manfredi at the Spanish Astrobiology Center for more. The weather on Mars is in some sense very similar to the one we have here on Earth. We have seasons, for example, strong winds and clouds. But we can also find huge differences. The thermal variations are wider than on Earth. For example, with perseverance, is in a single day we can go from minus 14 Fahrenheit to minus 120 Fahrenheit. To better understand this weather variations and the climate, Perseverance has an instrument that will focus on the study of the Martian atmosphere. This is the META instrument. META stands for Mars Environmental Dynamic Analyzer. Curiosity and Insight have their own meteorological station, and together with META on Perseverance, we will be having the first meteorological network on another planet. The three of them working simultaneously will help us better understand the atmospheric dynamic. So, is that weather on Mars? Yes, and it is really, really fascinating. It's a time of playing, learning, socialising and exploring the endless possibilities of our tiny blue planet. Meeting new friends and discovering new environments are classic features of a typical childhood, but these past couple of years, well, been far from typical really, haven't they? With Covid triggering the closure of businesses, nurseries, schools and playgrounds, life for young kids has changed considerably. With limited stimulation at home and less interaction with the outside world, children born during the coronavirus pandemic have significantly reduced verbal, motor and overall cognitive performance, according to a new US study. This sounds like a parent's worst nightmare confirmed, so we spoke to the lead author to find out a little bit more. So I'm uh, Professor Sean Dioni, Associate Professor of, of Pediatrics and Radiology at the Warren Alpert School of Medicine at uh, Brown University. Over the last decade and throughout the pandemic, Sean and his colleagues have been running a large, continuous study of child health and development. Starting in 2009, Sean and his team have been enrolling pregnant mothers and infant children and then tracking the kids over time to assess their cognitive development. Uh, both in the latter half of 2020 and the first half of 2021, we saw a significant reduction in child cognitive development. So you expect most of your children to be in that 85 to 115 score range. Uh, and the vast majority of our kiddos are down below that 85 level. And, and indeed, our mean is actually 79 or 78, where we'd expect it to be about 100. So a pretty sizable drop in these younger kiddos that have been born since the pandemic uh, versus what we, we would be expecting. From your data, can you say what's to blame for these findings? We are beginning to see that there's a, just an overall decrease in the amount of interaction um, between caregivers, parents and children. Um, so there's not as much talking, 
Uh, and I think, you know, that comes from the fact that, you know, children aren't being out in daycares. They're not at school. Parents are, are perhaps doing multiple jobs or they're on they're on uh, work calls from home a lot longer. So that interaction isn't there. And, that, and of course, we know that parent-child, caregiver-child interaction is incredibly important. A lot of our kiddos, when the playgrounds and whatnot were closed down, they weren't getting out. They weren't able to play with other, other children. So I think... Um, you know, what's rising up is, is those, those key elements of just stimulation and interaction and, and getting out and playing. What kind of impact is this going to have on kids in the long term? Are they going to bounce back once things return to whatever normal will be? You know, we always talk about children being incredibly resilient and these children are young. They're, you know, at most a year and a bit old. That said, we also, on the flip side, talk about the importance, you know, the first thousand days, uh, the first few years of life and really setting the foundation for overall, you know, lifelong health. You know, the sooner we can get back into really making sure our kids are being stimulated, being played with, you know, going out and interacting with the world, I think the better. We're not saying that this is permanent by any stretch, but certainly that window for really getting back to where, where we want them to be, you know, is not infinite. Anything that we can do to sort of encourage parents just to take that, you know, 10, 15 minute break out to go play, um, is really going to be beneficial both to you, right, your mental health as a parent uh, and getting away from, from the screen and, and whatnot, uh, but also, also our, our kiddos as well. This has been the Sunday 7. Wherever you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with the regular Smart 7. Have a great rest of your weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.